happy 4th of July. All right. Well, last week was some week. Yeah. That was uh, quite a wonderful time that we had together. And uh, I just wanted to start off this morning by, uh, by just acknowledging what took place last, last Sunday. Uh, it was such a wonderful time together. It was great to see so many faces that we haven't seen in a long time. And uh, we were so blessed and honored to have with us um, our, our special guests, uh, uh, Bonnie Chavda and Sam Solon, uh, and Pastor Lanny, by the way. Uh, he was in visiting in town as well, uh, and Patty as well. You know, it was, it was such a, an incredible time together, and, and we as a body got to share Sunday together, but um, for our family, we got to have multiple days uh, with, with that crew, and it was such a, a blessing for how they, they ministered to us, they, uh, they just shared with us, and to hear the, the conversations around the table about what God's doing and the things that are stirring in their hearts um, was, was just absolutely wonderful. So we are very thankful for that time that we had together with them. And what, for what the Lord did for us and in among us on Sunday in, uh, in that transition, that was, I know for our family, far beyond what we were anticipating. It was we anticipated a lot, but it was way beyond that. And so thank you for everybody who joined into that. And I also wanted to uh, just uh, extend a, a special thanks to everybody who uh, supported our guests while they were here. Um, they came in on, on Thursday and they left on Monday. And throughout that entire time, you guys provided just some of the most amazing meals for them. They just, it was, they were so blessed by everything that came in. And there was an abundance of food. They were so comfortable. They were, it was like a, a great retreat for them. And I just wanted to give you guys uh, who participated, and that's just the honor and thanks on their behalf for wonderful hospitality of this house. That's something that has been um, installed in us a long time ago. We've practiced that over time, but to see that on display in the midst of our transition was so beautiful, and so I just want to honor that uh, because the Lord has done that among us, and that's something we want to continue to move forward with as we move on into the future. So thank you to everybody who did that. Um, and also, thank you to everybody who helped to orchestrate the meal that we had on Sunday. That was, it was hot outside. We did have some sweat. Thank you, Katie, for praying for wind to help evaporate the sweat because we did have a few breezes that came through there. But it was, it was such a great time. It felt like a reunion. And um, it, it just, it also felt like almost like a, a celebration of coming back together again as a people. And it just, it seemed like the Lord was just doing so much in that one event. And so, um, man, we were, we were very blessed. So thank you for celebrating with us. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God has for us here on into the future. Finally going through that point of demarcation for us. If you're new to us here today, um, just so you know, I'm Pastor Jay Patterson. I am the new lead pastor here at our Father's house. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> Last weekend was our final transition weekend. It was kind of a change of command ceremony between Pastor Lanny Clark, who's pastored here for 40 years at our Father's house. And we're going to have a time to celebrate he and uh, his wife, Patty, uh, come August 14th. So if you haven't gotten your reservations in for that celebration, please do so. That's going to be a, another really wonderful time where we get to honor them and just uh, just celebrate them and everything they've done here. We're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and they 
have been giants in our midst that have really helped up helped to prop up this house as pillars here as God has firmly established us. So we're so blessed. So last weekend was that change of command ceremony for us, and we had a wonderful time. The Lord was was present and, uh, and just did so much in that one ceremony. Uh, I've been pastoring here now, uh, for those of you who are new, for over five years. And prior to that, uh, my wife, Katie, here, who's on the front row, she and I have been here for over 16 years now. Uh, so the Lord has, has moved us into this position, and it's exciting to be moving into a new season together. And this is truly a new season. We just, we just passed a milestone that we've been looking forward to as a people for years, over half a decade. You think about that. We've, we've been cognizant of that transition for over half a decade, and we just passed through that veil. And that's an important thing for us to recognize. We're now on the other side of that point. And prior to going through that point, we had, um, we had been in a time of prayer and fasting before the Lord and really seeking his face and looking towards him. And, and just pausing before we moved through that point together. And I just think it's, it's amazing to see what he, he did last weekend and how our hearts had been prepared for that moment. We could have rushed right through that, but instead we said, let's pause. Let's wait on the Lord. Let's listen for him. What is it that he wants to say to us? What is it that he wants to do? And let's follow his lead as we move on into the future here. So we're going to today talk about some of that transition, and I think it's really interesting. We had Father's Day, we had our, our commissioning ceremony, and then we now have Independence Day, all grouped into like three weeks back-to-back-to-back to back to back here. So much important stuff, and it, today is Independence Day. Today is an important day for us as a nation as we celebrate our freedom, our freedom from tyranny, from saying we're not going to have this any longer. We're going to become our own nation. It's that we celebrate our independence, and there's so much about who we are as a nation and our national identity that comes from this day, 245 years ago. 245 years we've been at this. And those are hard-fought freedoms. Those are hard-fought victories. There's been many battles along the way. We've been advancing towards the ideal of freedom uh, and liberty uh, throughout this whole time. And so today is an important time for us as a nation to pause and celebrate and remember uh, that declaration that we made. And, and we live in the inheritance of that freedom today. And many of those freedoms are under fire today. I'm not going to go into all of that. But it's important for us to recognize that we, as the people of God, who are Americans, have been planted in this nation and that we are to be a blessing and a benefit to this place. We should be praying things of our country. We have inherited not only this land here, in this region, on this property, but we are Americans as well. We are citizens of two nations, of two kingdoms. Our primary allegiance as Christians is to the kingdom of heaven. We are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors here. But we also live in time and space. We're also helping to advance the kingdom here. We're asking for God's blessings upon our land for the people that are here. For his goodness and his mercy and his graces to be benefited to all the people of the land. And so it's important for us to 
hold both of those things as we move forward into this new season. We have, we have our, our spiritual inheritance, and we have a national inheritance, and we have uh, so many things that impact us from living in both of these realms. But our primary allegiance is to the Lord. So I thought it was very interesting that as we came across the line this last weekend, we had a pretty strong answer from the Lord about what it is that he's about in this time. And I don't think it should be too surprising to us, but it was very direct. If you'll recall, we had four prayer focuses as we were moving through this time together of prayer and fasting. The first one was unity of the Spirit within our Father's house. We had a word that the Lord was going to bless us with unity, very specifically. At the the time that we had been in, the time of opposition that we had been in towards unity here among us as a people was something that the Lord was going to overcome and that we were going to be living in the victory and in the fruit of that where there would be unity coming forward. We were praying for alignment with God's specific call for OFH. If you remember that, that message that we did that week, it, we, we opened up the book of prophetic words that are foundational to us as a people. And we laid them out and we said, some of us have heard about these words. It's like we've heard the, the tales of these words. Let's open them up and actually read what those words were. If you missed that, go back. It's online. You can, you can review it. And it's important for you as a people to hear those things. That's why we read them before you. What is it that God was doing foundationally here as a people as we move into the new season? Because the foundation hasn't changed. He may build upon that, but that foundation has been set, and there's a reason why he did it. Those characteristics and those qualities for us don't change. We were praying for wisdom for God's strategies. And then we were praying for courage to inhabit what he has given us. So I thought it was very interesting that when Bonnie came before us this last weekend, she spoke very directly about building the house of the Lord. Building the house of the Lord. And she referenced Haggai in much of what she shared with us. And I don't know if you've gone back and read Haggai, but we're going to read it today. It's one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's two chapters long, but it packs a a very powerful punch. And it is a word that is to us as a people. Because we, we know, who have been here for a while, that there has been a diminishment in what we have experienced here as a people over the past year. Not only because of COVID, certainly because of COVID, but we've been talking about it for a while. The Lord has done a deep pruning on us. He's pruned away some things that weren't bearing fruit, and he's pruned some things that have borne fruit so that they would bear much more fruit as well. But we've been through a deep pruning time, and we're in a season of rebuilding. We've been speaking the language of transition for a while here, and I just read something somebody forwarded to me uh, from Chris Vallotton, where he spoke about a difference between transition and metamorphosis. And I think that's really a word for us that we can lay a hold of. We've been using transition, 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 and there has been a transition, but we as a people are in a a metamorphosis time where it's not just you shifted from one season to the next, 
there is a, a change in something new that comes forth from that change. It's of the same essence, it's of the same nature, but it's a whole new thing. And the expression of what comes forward has abilities and capabilities that weren't there before. It's like they were in seed form in the old generation, but in this new generation, in this new expression, they come about more fully. That's what's taking place for us. Those are the types of things that we have to look forward to. But that's a, ch- that's a challenging experience to go through. And Haggai is a book that is very much about that. Haggai is not the only book in the Bible that speaks about this time that the people of God are in. And it takes place in the year 520 B.C. Uh, in 536 B.C. is when they had laid the foundation for the temple. It's when they had, they had set the new altar. The people of God had been in Babylon in exile for 70 years, which was a, a major disciplining by the Lord. We talk about being taken to the woodshed. They were taken to the woodshed in this situation. And God gave them a major reset in that time. The temple had been completely demolished, and when they came back, they'd been given the ability to come back, it was a hard thing for them to see what lay in ruins from their, their life before. Some of the people who came back had been children when they had been taken away to Babylon. Now they're old, but they had the memory still of what everything looked like. And the young people who came back had been hearing about this, and they had grown up in Babylon, and they were being called back to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And they got off to a good start. You can find this in Ezra. You can look in Nehemiah. And you can look here in Haggai, which we're going to read today. You also read Zechariah, because those are all contemporary pieces about this time as they come back and rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. And it was a hard-fought activity for them to be in. And Bonnie alluded to this last weekend about the, this shift and about this, this focus on, on being about the building of the house of the Lord. But it's important, I think, for us to actually go through and read this. It's not very long, but it's powerful. And I want to start it off, actually, outside of Haggai in Matthew chapter 6. Why are we going to Matthew chapter 6? Because it sets a tone for us that is consistent in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and for us in our lives. We're starting with this passage about not worrying because it, it gets to the heart of what took place in their, uh, their experience there in Jerusalem. Is the words of the Lord. He says this, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough enough trouble of its own. I want to read that because at the heart of what took place leading into Haggai is the people of God had gotten back into the land, they had started well, they got the foundations laid, they built the altar, they started doing the sacrifices, they started getting back into the patterns that they knew they were supposed to establish, and immediately they were met with opposition. And it's interesting, if you read in Ezra, the opposition came from a couple different places, and it came in a couple different ways. The people that were opposed to Judah and Benjamin, it says, came and offered their support to help build the temple. Think about that for a moment. Now, this is a human condition. We're not living in the Old Testament any longer. We're here in New Testament times. The opposition that opposed the people of God came in as their human enemies offering to help them rebuild their temple. The time when things are most vulnerable is when they're being built. They're most open to any sort of infection or deformity or anything that would come in to try to shift the purpose at that time when it's in formation. Many of you have gone through acquisition training because you are part of the federal government. And you'll recall that the decisions that are made up front have the biggest impact on costs and schedule and performance and everything. You can make a little decision up here that down the line becomes a big problem for you. Or you can ward off major problems by making better decisions up front. And so, what's happening here? The enemy's trying to infiltrate and get in alongside them and say, hey, we'll help you build this house for, for, the, for the Lord, this temple for your God. They're trying to get up close to them so they can just confuse things and, and cause delay and all sorts of things to, uh, to really destroy the work of the Lord at that moment. And you see in Ezra, Zerubbabel says, no, no, this is our thing. Stay away. Don't help us. So what do the enemies do then? They go and they petition the king to put a stop on the labor. And they're successful. They're successful in that. So there's a couple of things. People were already dismayed by what they were seeing. As they laid the foundation, as they, uh, they started the sacrifices there on the altar, it says that there, you couldn't tell the difference between the celebratory voices and the mourning voices because those who had been there before were mourning, recognizing what had, was not there any longer, and those who were new were celebrating what had happened. And so there's all these different forces coming in here to confuse and frustrate the work of the Lord and of the people as they're coming before the Lord. So yes, work was halted, and for 16 years they went about the work of building up their own homes, restarting their economy, trying to get things up and boosted again, and they abandoned what God had given them to do. They said, well, maybe this isn't the time for us to rebuild the temple. We got a good start. We're just going to, let's get everything else situated here, and then the time will come and we'll, we'll do that again. But that's not what God had told them to do. So let's go into Haggai. That's the, that's the setup for Haggai. Let's read through it. And as we do... I'll stop to pause it here and there because I have some comments along the way. 
In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. This is what the Lord says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. This is spoken to us just this last weekend. There will be people right now who say, the time is not now to rebuild the house of the Lord. There's time for us to be focused on other things right now. There's time for us to deal with all this other stuff, but we, we can't refocus right now on rebuilding the house of the Lord. The Lord said, no, I'm about that right now. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? Now, there's a reference in that statement there about having paneled houses. In Solomon's temple, all of the walls inside were overlaid with wood. You didn't see the stone there. It was all overlaid. So to have paneled houses, to have the overlay in your houses with wood is a reference back to what the, what the temple had been previously, to, the, to the, the level of detail and care that had been put into that. And he's saying, you've put that into your own homes, but my house, well, this house remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So he's telling them, take a look at what's going on now. I'm about to, I'm about to give you a highlight on your experience. So pay attention. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Everything that you're doing is unfruitful, is what the Lord is telling them. Let's look at all these different places of your life. Everything that you're putting effort into isn't enough. You're not living in abundance. You are being unfruitful right now. You're just getting by. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. He's starting to make it clear that he is the active agent in their lack of blessing in this moment. His eye blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Now, the wording that's actually used there when he says ruin is dry. It's desolate. My house is desolate. It's dry. But when he says that you're busy with your own home, he's saying you run to it. means you're running about your own priorities. You'll run to go take care of that. It's interesting. Didn't we just read about that in, in the last passage? saying, you run to go take care of that, but my house is dry, it's desolate. 
Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You can go back into Deuteronomy on these types of uh, diminishments that they're experiencing. And you can see that it's very specific towards their disobedience. It's, it's very specific towards them uh, not obeying what God has called them to do. He is, he's basically highlighting, because you haven't done these things, this is what I am doing. And I, I wrote into the law conditions that you would see if you didn't do the things that I told you to do. And that's what's going on here. You're being disciplined. But the people heard. They caught on, right? Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and, be- and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the- of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, there's specific language that's coming about in here. And I want you to take notice that there's three personages that are, ref- are referenced and addressed throughout this book. There is Zerubbabel, there is Joshua, and there's the people. Together, collectively, God is, is addressing them. He addresses their leaders, but he is also addressing the people collectively. And that's important because you hear him not just tell one, but there's a repetition that happens through here as you go through that. And you, we, we need to pay attention to that. Every time we see repetition in Scripture, there's a highlighting that's going on there. And it's, it's declaring the responsiveness of each. I mean, it could be that Zerubbabel heard, but the people didn't. It could be the people heard, but their leader didn't. But that's not the case here. There is uniformity in their response to the Lord here. And the Lord says, I am with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Now that's a uniform response. They all heard, and in oneness, they responded to the Lord Directly. That's powerful. Because remember, just prior to this, they'd been about their own thing. And he got their attention. He, the Lord, got their attention. He said, look, you're not being blessed right now, and it's your fault. I told you to build my house. And you can't just blame it on the governing authorities that are over you because I gave you authority and permission to go do this. Go do it. And they responded in kind. Now, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. Again, all three personages. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, 
for I am with you. Now, this I am with you, and at the end of this he says, do not fear. This should make us think about Joshua and the Lord speaking to him at the very beginning of Joshua as they're coming into the promised land. He's telling him, fear not, I am with you. Be strong, be courageous. The same type of language is being used for all three of these now as the Lord is telling them to go against the opposition that they are experiencing and build his house. He's very serious, and he's speaking to them out of their history, and there's a resonance with what he was doing there as they took the land in the first place. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. He's speaking to their hearts here. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. This is speaking forward to the coming Messiah. Now fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The Messiah is going to come, and he is actually going to come to this building of the temple. It's going to get renovated in the future, but what they're seeing as a diminishment is actually the seeds of something greater coming. And there's a prophetic nature about this as well between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The glory of the new coming temple is going to far outweigh the glory of of what we had previously. Remember, in the New Covenant, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the house of God. We have a physical representation in a building there, and and a lot of times our language talks about this structure and structures like this that are about us as the church, but ultimately you are the church. You are the people of God. You are the building of God. You are the living stones that are set upon the living stone and assembled to his body. God's constructing his church. And so he's speaking about this prophetically here. And it's all kind of wrapped together in what they're experiencing in this moment. So then we have a third thing that comes from Haggai to the people. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment... And that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food. Does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Ooh, that's a rough word. He's not just speaking about the actual physical activity of rebuilding the temple. Because remember, God is always after our hearts. He's always after our hearts. It's not only the outward expression, it's not only the 
the constructing the, the thing that is visible and the place that will house what God is going to do. He is after our hearts, and he wants us consecrated as well. He, his temple is to be holy, but we are to be holy as well. That's what it's always been about. He's always called us to that. He's always give us, given us an, an expectancy, an expectation that we would be holy as he is holy. And we can't do it on our own. We are completely dependent upon him to do that work in us. But the Lord is recognizing, hey, you've been working at this for months, I'm really happy about this, but I want your hearts too. Otherwise, you're just going to have a building in a social club. I want your hearts too. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on any other in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. Again, he's speaking to them about, look back at where we've been, how we've gotten to this point. Okay? When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I gave you all the signs that told you that you were off track, but you didn't return to me. So I had to be very clear with you and speak to you very directly about what's happening. And you have turned. You have turned, but I need you to come this much further with me. From this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord, Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Look at this next line. From this day on, I will bless you. This is a major promise from the Lord. He's telling them, anticipate this, because they haven't seen it yet, but anticipate this. You are going to see my blessings come forth from this day forward. Because it's not just about the temple. I'm pleased with your obedience there. But I'm after your hearts. And you're going to see a change because of what's taken place in your hearts and what I'm going to do. And there is going to be blessing in the land. And you will see it. I mean, he, he speaks from this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month. Give careful attention. So he's saying, mark this day. You will see those blessings. That's very specific. It's it's. He wants them to be anticipating what's coming forward from this so that they can become uh, excited and energized and, and blessed by God fulfilling his word to them. They'll see. Remember, they, weren't, they were no longer fruitful. Now he's calling them into a time of fruitfulness, and he's going, to do, he's going to do it. And what's demonstrated there is they're not fruitful because of their labors. They're fruitful because of what the Lord is doing. That's, that's a word to us. That's a word to us. Think about what we read in Matthew 6 about not worrying, about seeking first the kingdom. It gets back to clothing and food and shelter and all the things, all the provisions that we try to make for ourselves and manufacture for ourselves. And God says, if you're not seeking me first, I can't bless you with abundance there. But if you seek me first, watch what I'm going to do you will be amazed at what I will do. 
The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn, overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will, will fall, each by the sword of his brother. That's a, that's a big thing for God to tell the man who's in charge of this nation and their efforts that they have in going forward and building the temple. Because remember, for 16 years, they've been living under the fear of what's going to take place if they pick up their work again to rebuild the house of the Lord. They're living in fear of what, of what their enemies that are surrounding them are going to do. What they might do by going back to the king and saying, hey, they're, they're working again. All right, we're going to come and wipe them out then because now they've disobeyed this earthly king. But God says, tell Zerubbabel, I'm going to go fight the battle for him. Tell him because, because he's going to do what he's going to do, because he's going to obey me, because he's already moving forward, I am going to bless him. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. A signet ring is used by a sovereign to represent their authority, their decisions, their rule, their sovereignty, and to authorize what they have done. We're familiar with this, right? You, you see they roll up the scroll, pour the wax on, signet ring into the, into the wax, and what is left there is the imprint of the sovereign's authority. So for God to say to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you like a sig- my signet ring, means I'm going to use you as my standard, and I'm going to use you to imprint my authority over this situation. And we see what takes place as they move forward. The people, of course, uh, if you go back in Ezra, they go back to King Darius and they're like, wait a second, they're off doing this thing again they're not supposed to be doing. And Zerubbabel and them send off to Darius and say, look back in the records, look into the archives. We were given authority to do this by Cyrus the king. And so Darius goes back and looks at it and sure enough, there's record that they have been given the authority to do this. And not only have they been given the authority to build it, they've been given resources by the kingdom to go and build the temple. And Darius sets up protection for them. He says, listen, not only are you going to stay away from them and let them do that, but if there are resources that they need, you're going to resource them. God is about building his house. He wants his house to be in the land, to be a demonstration of his sovereignty, of his authority, of his goodness. It's a representation of him. We are the house of God. We are his people. And God wants us to be about Building the house of God. Now, it's Independence Day. And as an American and as a patriot, I love this day. I love what it means for us as a nation. For the church in America, I'd say one of the biggest challenges we have from a kingdom mindset is that we imprint our American mindset on top of that. In America... The people are the sovereign. In the kingdom, God is the sovereign. 
And we see that same type of thing taking place here in Haggai. You're about your own business. You're doing your own thing. You're running to your home. You're building up your own empire. And my house lays in ruin. Remember when we first started this message, we talked about before we are a citizen of this earth and a citizen of this nation, we who are the people of God are citizens of heaven representing him here. Our first allegiance is to the Lord. And he says, and even very particular to us specifically, our Father's house in this season, be about building up my house. I went back and listened to what Bonnie had shared with us, and I took a few notes. And I think they're worth referencing here today. When she was talking about building the house of the Lord, what does that mean for us as a people? She's saying this is a time where we're turning our time, efforts, affections, and resources towards the house of the Lord. Now, that's not just the building here. Remember, we talked about it. It's not just the building here. We're talking about the purposes of God here in this time for us as a people, for those who are gathered together as the people of God in locations and locales that we would worship and journey together. We've been through a season globally where we've not been able to be together physically. But we've come out of that now. And we have the opportunity to be with one another physically. And we have seen the effects of what takes place when we are not together physically. When we're not of one accord. When we've lost that touch between us. We haven't been hugging each other. We haven't been seeing each other face to face. We haven't been seeing somebody limp into the room and recognize, ah, maybe they're hurting and need some help. We're, we're just behind screens with each other for over a year. I believe the Lord allowed that to happen to us because we need to recognize and be sensitive to the needs that we have to be together as the people of God. But more than that, it's not just a social club. It's not just about being around one another. It's not just about devising the activities that we think are important. And it's not about us being in our homes and doing our own thing and being about our, all of our stuff. We, we've been through that and we got all of that cut off for us for the most part, right? But then it leaks out with us all talking about all the ideas that we have, that are our unique ideas, and we get camped around our ideologies that are not the kingdom. And ultimately, the Lord just keeps cutting this stuff back further and further on us as the people of God to what really happens and what really remains at the end of it is, are we going to stand on the word of God? Are we going to be people of the kingdom? Are we going to be committed to one another in relationship beyond all the other challenges that we face? Are we going to hold on to one another through the storm? Are we going to focus on him and stay focused on him and him be the one thing that we care about? Or are we going to run off on all these tangents and chase everything else down? Run to our own houses, run to our own priorities, run off and do our thing. Or are we going to invest our time, our energy, our resources, our affections towards what God is doing as a people? There's a reason you all came here today. And hopefully it wasn't to hear me speak. You came here to get in the presence of God with the people of God to worship God, 
to lift him on high because when God says that I've brought them together, it's so that they would exalt my name, that they would praise and sing my praises, exalt my name. That's what our purpose is to do, is to help build the house of the Lord, for people to come into the kingdom, to be reconciled to God, and to become reconciled to one another, that his people would be a sign and a wonder in the world, standing apart from everything else that's going on. It's not logical. It's kingdom. And we see what happens. God tells us that we're supposed to seek first his kingdom. And all else will be added to us. You know, if you look at what was taking place to the people of Israel in that moment, they had been doing everything they could to rebuild their economy on their own. How was that working for them? It wasn't working for them. Because they had forgotten to rest, which is why they went over to Babylon in the first place. Land needed rest. They forgot to rest, and they were not about building up the the house of God. Same thing happens for us. When we forget to rest, when we aren't doing things like like tithing. Tithing is a big thing, right? Tithing is us demonstrating where our treasure is. It says in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart lies also. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. You need to go through the exercise of showing the Lord where your heart is. It's a physical demonstration of where your heart is. Lord, I'm pouring back into your house. I recognize that you are my source, so I give you the first fruits because you told me that if I trust you with little, you're going to give me much. And for those who have, who have practiced tithing, you know there have been times where you look at it and think, there's probably a whole lot more that I could do with this 10%. But I'm, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. I'm going to give it to him because I recognize that he's my source. And he comes about in so many ways to bless that. Sometimes you'll see it directly as a response to that. Other times you'll see it as, well, this washing machine was only supposed to last 10 years, but here we are 30 years into it, and it still keeps on ticking. Well, this broke down. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for that. And all of a sudden, resources come in for that to take place. Because God wants you to to know that he is your source. The people of Israel at that time were not trusting in God in that moment. I would hazard to say that many of us have been through a season where we've started to pull things together because we're not sure what's going to happen next. And it could be tithing, it could be other things. that's, That's not what's important. God knows what's important to you and how you're trusting or not trusting him. But he's telling all of us, invest yourselves here. Invest your time. Invest your talents. Invest your resources in what I'm doing here. I've called you here together as a people. Don't sit there. Don't just sit there. We're in a rebuilding phase. It's like we're a church plant all over again with a history. 
we know who we are in the Lord. We don't yet know what it is that he's building in this time, but we get to find that out together. What we start seeing being rebuilt, for some of us who've been here a long time, might feel like, it's just not like the old times. And the Lord says, don't worry. The new house is going to be better than the old house. The glory of what's to come is going to be greater than the glory that what once was. It's not a diminishment of what once was. That was for that season. But this is a new season, and I have something new that I want to do with you. Be about my work. Put in the labor. Build together. And one thing that we have learned here at our Father's house over the years has been this. We build relationally. We're not about building an an organization. We are an organization, technically. This is an organic building of the house of God because the house of God here in Haggai was a physical building. But we know now, like we spoke about before, the house of God is the family of God. It's the people of God. It is an organism. It is organic. It has skin on it. And it's living and breathing And there's challenges, things, people break down along the way. We need grace to lift one another up. We encourage one another. We see God launch us forward. It's a a growing, thriving, living, breathing thing. And we get to be committed to that. What does that mean? Y'all need to have time with one another. How great was it last Sunday when we got to eat sandwiches out in the heat? If we didn't have the purpose of being there together, nobody was going to be out of that pavilion because it was too dang hot to be out there. But because we had purpose being together in what God was doing, it was a wonderful time, and we got to have a great, great time fellowshipping with one another, getting to meet one another, growing together, hugging one another, being with one another. And those are important things. You've heard Pastor Lanny say this for years. If you don't build relationally, when it comes time where the wheels fall off you, who is it that comes around you? We have to lay in store for those times. By the grace of God, we, we see people come around those who still have been disconnected in times to lift them up, to hold them, because God is good. But how much better to have those relationships in place that you can draw on, that know that you're in trouble already, that show up without you even asking, that are there because of what God is doing. The house of God gets built as we declare the glories of Him, as we share the gospel. Remember, we're not just supposed to do all this right in here. We, as the people of God, get to go out into our community, into the spheres that he has us in, and carry the message of the gospel and the goodness of the kingdom of God into those places. We leak his glory as we go. And people look at us and they say, you're different. Why are you different? Why is it that you didn't get upset there? How is it that you're able to forgive that person? Why is it that you have wisdom when nobody else does? You always seem to have a good attitude when everybody else is upset all the time. What's going on? Listen, that's, that's your witness. That's the open door. That's when you get to speak life to people. Do you remember who it was that shared Jesus with you? 
Do you remember the brokenness that you came out of? Do you remember the dark nights where you needed someone to be with you? That's who you get to be as the people of God to those who don't yet even know him. And the house of the Lord grows. The building of the house of God isn't just a message for OFH. I really believe this is a message globally right now. We are seeing distinctions being drawn in sharper and sharper clarity between those who are truly following after the Lord and those who are going to go about living a comfortable Christianity. Compromise is going to sink in and there's going to be places in the body of Christ where people fall away. But for those of us who are serious about hearing God's call and about building the house of God, we're going to face trial, we're going to face oppression, we're going to face persecution. But God is going to underwrite the advancement of his kingdom. And we get to hold one another as we move forward there. And he's going to bring about the victory. There are two things that, that Bonnie prayed over us, well, she declared over us. That you would be a unified house in love. And that we would be a joyful house in victory. Victory means you've faced battles. Victory means you've faced opposition. Victory means you have overcome. But we don't do it divided. We don't do it by how the world wants to do it. We do it by our yieldedness and our surrender to God and our clear focus, commitment, and devotion to him first. Let's do some communion together. Does anybody not have a communion cup? Raise your hand. Got one up here. At home, I can't help you. Just gonna have to figure it out. It's okay, you don't have to open these cups without spilling on yourself. Being part of the people of God is a unique honor that we have here in time and space. When we go on to glory, 
It's just going to be us. Here in time and space, it's us and those who don't yet know Jesus and those who might not ever know him. We face opposition here that we won't face on the other side. But it's important for us to recognize and remember that it's not flesh and blood that we face. It's principalities, it's powers, spiritual forces. They influence people. So that opposition you face might have skin on. But the real deal is behind that. Just like you have skin on, but the real deal is the Spirit of God who's living in you. There's only one reason why that was even possible. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth as a man. He is both God, 100%, and man, 100%. The only one to have ever done that. He came as the perfect sacrifice for our sin, which separated us from our Father. He paid the penalty of our sin and became the doorway, the gateway back to the Father. He says, listen, there's no other way back to him except through me. I made the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come follow me. Believe that I have paid the price for your sins. And step out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And here's the thing you no longer live for yourself. You no longer run after your own house. You no longer run after your own priorities. In fact, you're going to go through a life where you're going to find him continuing to cut those things off. Pruning this, pruning that. So the only thing that you're left with is to step forward in maturity fully in life in him. Where it becomes easier and easier for you to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are my king. You are my sovereign. I will obey. Build your house. All of that is possible because he went to the cross and allowed his body to be broken for us and his blood to be poured out for us. We partake of these elements remembering what he did in full recognition that Christ is our head and we are his body. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die for us. We thank you that you sent him as the perfect example and representative of you. We thank you, Lord, that he is the only way the only truth, the only life. And that we have the opportunity to lose our lives 
and find them in him, in you, Jesus. I ask, Lord, that today we would remember all that you have brought us through to this point. Lord, that we would see and we as a people would take up your call to build your house, to be committed to one another, to be committed to your plans and your purposes, Lord, to set aside our desires and our priorities, Lord, and the things that we think are important. Lord, to focus on you, to focus on one another, to carry the message of your gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to this world, to the people of this world, so that others may partake of this in the future, Lord, being redeemed and being part of your body. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Take and eat and drink in the name of Jesus. Please pass your cups over here. We're going to have the ushers come around and and pick them up for you. Do we have something? a couple of things this morning that certainly Holy Spirit knew what was happening today when Jay was teaching. Uh, One of the things was uh, the word was that we let the master builder do his work. He is building and fitting us together in relationship and singleness of purpose to reveal his glory. And then before that could happen, we need to be in, on our knees before him to have him create a clean heart in us. And that song, Create in Me a Clean Heart, O God, was brought forth. Then when I was asking the Lord for what he wanted to say this morning, I was looking for a word, and and the word that came to me was metamorphosis, and it actually came through a a blog by Chris Ballatin. And Jay mentioned that word, metamorphosis, this morning in the beginning. And this is where we come into the picture of, of building together this new house. And I was struck by the fact that in the metamorphosis process you come through a COVID experience in a cocoon and then you come out as something entirely different and it's more than a transition it's a complete change and I see us coming out of that cocoon And if you don't think differently because you are now different, then you don't get to do what God intends for you to do. 
what God is intending you to be now is a butterfly that flies and not any longer a caterpillar that crawls. And if you think of the perspective you have as, that you have as a caterpillar, you have no vision. I feel like my volume's gone away. You have no vision. You're crawling on the ground. You're clinging to a branch. You are in a completely different place um, as prey to predators. And as a butterfly, you come out flying. You come out able to evade the predators. You come out with vision. You see from a higher perspective. You're in a different place. You are different in your being. And we need to be thinking like that as we come out of this cocoon. And that cocoon is shed and left behind. What do you need to leave behind at this point? I know there's a lot of things that are in the way of us becoming who we are intended to be, personally and corporately, and we need to leave those behind. We need to surround ourselves with those that will call forth who we are and see the gold in us. And maybe some of the things that are to be let, left behind are relationships that are not beneficial to that. They don't see what God sees in you. And that is not what you need to hear right now so that you can go forward and be who God has called you to be. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need community. And we need to listen to one another but listen to those who have the heart of God for you and see you as God sees you. And the last picture was uh, of a person stepping off a cliff. And it's obvious they were taking one step, and I think the words were, trust me. And there's no other way to go at this point but to trust because you're stepping off the cliff. And that's where we are as butterflies, too. It's, it's a risk. We, we sense in our hearts that there's a risk here because we're not used to flying. We're used to crawling and seeing things from a different perspective. But we've been called to a higher place. Good. Thank you. <clears throat> I hope you hear the, that message of metamorphosis come up a couple times here. And that it's not something that you do in your own strength. But we need to recognize that we've been through a major event and a major series of events that have pressurized us as a people to change us. And God has allowed that to happen to us. And he's using this to transform us. He's using us to come into a new season. And we have to trust him in new ways. And part of the challenge that all of us are facing in one form or another is how do we come out of the season that we've been in? We've all experienced it in different ways. But each of us is coming out of that season. 
And I, I love this call that says, what is it that needs to be shed away as you come into this new season? What are the fears and doubts and anxieties and things like that that you've experienced that need to be shed away? We've all lost a little bit of something in this time. But God has something greater for us on the other side of it. And, and we as a people get to go there with him. I suspect, because I've had a good authority, that each one of us has gifts and talents that God put in us. He's put dreams in our hearts. He's put things that are important to us. There may be even hidden talents and hidden gifts that you haven't yet experienced, or you don't believe God when he tells you that he put it there that he's beckoning you into in this time. Remember, in building the house, you get to come with your resources to that. And your resources are things that God gave you to be given back to him. And as we sow those things into the kingdom, he takes our loaves and our fish, and he multiplies them. All of us should be in a time right now where we start asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you have for me to bring into the house right now? What is it that you have for me to offer back to you? And it may sound like a really simple thing. Or it may sound like a really risky thing for you. Or it may sound like something that doesn't really make sense to you. I think the encouragement here today is take that step with him and see what he's going to do. It may not look like anything we've ever done before here at our Father's house. We've been talking about that here today. This is a new season that we're in. God's bringing us into new adventures with him. He's calling us forward. One final thing. I didn't share this last, last weekend, and I want to share it today. And um, it's this. The word is reconciliation. I recognize personally, this is me, Jay Patterson, Pastor Jay, how the Lord has shaped me. You're going to hear from me this word, reconciliation, come out probably to the point where you get sick of hearing it. Because God has crafted me as a reconciler. I've always been an in-between type of person. A bridge. I've always fit into weird crowds, people that would otherwise not be associated with others. I, I find myself being able to be comfortable there. Because God crafted me that way. When I was a kid, what I thought was, I don't fit anywhere. And that's how the enemy would try to discourage me. Like, look, you don't have one friend group. You just float around between all these. There's probably somebody else who can recognize that and identify with that. That's how the Lord has crafted you. He's crafted you as a bridge. He's given you an innate gift and grace to reach in and bring his presence into that situation. He's given you the unique ability to bridge a gap between people so that his ministry can walk them across in relationship and restoration together.
That's part of who I am, and that's part of what he has called us as a house to be. A bridge. We talk about us wanting to see a hurting world healed and people launched to their destinies. That means we're going to have to reach into places where God has been kept out before. Or people haven't been able to receive that message. Or we stand as the connection point between people that would otherwise not be reconcilable. But God is going to give us the grace to allow that ministry to take place. For the purpose of bringing wholeness and restoration so that people can be freed and move on towards their destiny. Second Corinthians chapter five. We're going to start in 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We've seen healing. We've seen reconciliation. We've seen the seeds of all of this stuff, and even the fruit of it here within this house. But I believe God's bringing us into a new season where what he will accomplish through us as a people is beyond anything we could have asked or imagined beforehand. We are Christ's ambassadors. We have a message of reconciliation. We are to reconcile men to God and to one another. We can be about that for the rest of our lives, and it will be a good life. Will you rise? Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your call to us in this hour, Lord, to be about the building of your house. Lord, I thank you that you, Jesus, are the chief cornerstone. That everything gets referenced back to you. That you are the living stone and that we are living stones. I thank you, Jesus, that you have called us to represent you here in time and space. I thank you that you have reconciled us to the Father and you have given us this ministry of reconciliation. I thank you that you have given us the purpose of being about the building up of your house, of your body, Jesus, here in the earth. I ask, Lord, that each of us in this hour would hear afresh the call from you to set aside our own priorities, to set aside our own visions, to set aside our own purposes and intents, Lord, and to press our labors and our, effect, our efforts, our affections, our resources, our time, our energies, Lord, into the building up of the house. 
Lord, that you would firmly establish us in this new season, Lord. Lord, I pray against any, uh, any sort of uh, demonic ideologies that would try to come in and frustrate the efforts of your people this time. I pray for your courage to be resident within us, Lord, as a people. Lord, that we would lay hold of our destiny in you, lay hold of our calling in you, individually and corporately, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you have already promised to us a season of incredible unity, Lord Jesus, that would go beyond anything that we've experienced before and would stand, Lord, as a testimony of your goodness and your greatness, overcoming what we have been in opposition to in this past season, Lord. Lord, I ask that the husk of this thing would fall away and die, Lord Jesus, that new birth and new growth in this house would come forward in this season. I bless your people, Lord, today as we celebrate, Lord, what was the birth of our nation that we live in today, Lord. We thank you for your blessings over this land, Lord, over the centuries past, Lord. We thank you for the time and opportunity that we have as your people to live in this time, Lord, to steward the resources of this land, to steward this inheritance, Lord. Lord, we pray the blessings over this land, Lord. We pray, we pray over our leaders, Lord. We ask, Lord, for you to influence them, Lord Jesus. We ask for you to give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Lord. We ask that they would make godly decisions, Lord, that would be the benefit of all the people who live here, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We turn our eyes to you. And we say, come. Come, Lord. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You all have a wonderful 4th of July. Hug somebody. And if you need to do some time in the altar this morning, I ask you to just come forward and, and do your time with him. God bless you. See you soon.